Now that bowl season has for the most part come to a close, it's time to take a step back and see what South Carolina has done so far in the transfer portal. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And Gamecock Nation, there's been a lot going on in Shane Boomer's football program in recent weeks. Obviously, there's been a lot going on surrounding the Gator Bowl and the end of the 2022 season. And now, South Carolina is going to be awaiting the decisions of Spencer Rattler and Antoine Juswells and a couple of other players to see what their roster could look like heading into spring practice and eventually into the 2023 season. And the who of all of these events going on, we never really dove into the transfer portal and everything that's been going on with South Carolina, some of the commitments that they've gotten. And in order to get a little bit better insight into all those topics, I'm pleased to be joined on today's show by Mike Huseman, who was a former graduate assistant coach at the FCS level in college football and now writes and tweets about anything and everything related to the transfer portal and its effect on college football. Mike, really appreciate you coming on today's show. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's awesome. It's uh, funny. I've, I've done a few of these with um, some other locked on networks, but um, this is my first time doing the Gamecocks and I am a doc student here in columbia at usc so very fun to be here glad to glad to chat with you absolutely it's always good to have someone with gamecock connections here on this show who has a really good understanding of the program and everything that is going on and mike assuming that of course you have been keeping up with south carolina in the past couple months uh, South Carolina's had a lot of turnover at the tight end position. And obviously, there was a lot of things that took place in December with, of course, Austin Stogner transferring back to Oklahoma. You had Jaheim Bell sort of seemed like in the spur of the moment enter the transfer portal and transfer to Florida State. Travion Keenan has officially retired from football. And Nate Atkins is set to exhaust off his eligibility. And so the Gamecocks had to hit the portal really hard to fill in that void. And one of the guys they got was Arkansas tight end Trey Knox, a graduate transfer, someone who seems to be a really good athlete, but, you know, might be playing the position sort of the same way that Jaheim Bell did. So, Mike, what do you think Trey Knox is going to bring to the field? And do you think that he can fill in sort of that void that's being left behind by Jaheim Bell specifically? So, yes and no. Um, he will be better at some things, but not as good at some things. He's very much that slot type guy. He's going to be able to stretch the defenses down the middle and be more of a vertical threat. He definitely has more speed. Now, where he won't be as good is a unique area because we saw Bell run the ball in the backfield more than pretty much any tight end we've ever seen that what he did in the backfield is not common. So in that respect, Knox won't be as good. However, I don't think they're going to ask him to do those things. So in terms of the slot receiver, 
motioning, shifting around, getting in space. He will be a good addition. And with the way that I expect Logan's to call plays using a play-action system crossing, he definitely can be a weapon. Now, I don't know if he's in Bell's class. I'm not saying he is. But the style I expect to see, he will be a weapon who will be able to move the chains, I think. Right, and you know, as you mentioned earlier with Dow Loggins' system, Dow Loggins uh, is someone who learned under Sean Payton in the NFL. So in terms of definitely using those crossing routes and play-action type concepts, that is definitely something that could definitely bring out the best in Trey Knox, who, as you mentioned, will be maybe more of a vertical passing threat than Jaheim Bell was at South Carolina. Now, of course, Trey Knox was not the only tight end that Shane Bieber and the offensive coaching staff have brought here in Columbia. They've also gotten a couple of other maybe underrated pickups and Joshua Simon, the tight end from Western Kentucky, and Nick Elksness from Florida. So when you look at both of these guys, Mike, how do you see their role sort of playing out in 2023? What do you think they're going to bring to the football field? Elksness, I think, is the stogner of the group. He He's not big by any, like, he's bigger than Knox and Simon, but he's not real big. But he's a 225, 230-pound guy. But he will be that end-line blocker type guy who, again, we'll see him move around more just because they, you know, they like to shift and move tight ends. But he'll be the stogner type guy who's on the end line more often. Simon is a fascinating person for me. Um having followed Western Kentucky pretty closely the last couple of years. Um, they're really one of the modern day air aid teams who are throwing the ball a ton, not throwing it vertical a ton, but they're spreading it around, getting rid of the ball fast. Simon thrived in a situation like that. And that's also the type of offense that Logan's is you know, Sean Payton, they're, they're doing slants. They're getting rid of the ball quick. It's shotgun, catch, read, throw. He could be a guy who gets a lot of volume targets in this offense, especially coming from a system where I think he's going to know the style and what to expect. Um, they're a team who, you know, what when I say that Western Kentucky, they moved him around. He was um, – as that nub wing type guy and line in the slot, um, we would see different looks out of them, almost exclusively out of the shotgun. But Simon is a really interesting guy, and if you can use him right, he could really be valuable. So, Mike, uh, one quick question to go off of that before we get into our first break here in just a moment. Um, do you think that it would be maybe advantageous for Dow Loggins, or if you were in Dow Loggins' shoes, would you maybe see packages where maybe Trey Knox and Joshua Simon are both maybe on the same side of the field in certain sets and formations to really sort of make uh, make the defense have to try to pick their poison and where Simon might attack space in the short range while Trey Knox can try to stretch the field vertically? I think that will depend on what they see Knox's speed at. Because if you're going to do that, Knox has to cover ground. He has to get downfield fast, and that'll depend on what they think his speed is at. I do think it is very likely that we see one of those two on the field with Elksness a lot of plays. I think that's a combo we'll probably see more likely. But using the two of them on the same side 
can open up a lot of holes in the defense if the tools are there. It, it's also one of those high risk, high reward because if you can't cover the ground, then you have two receivers that are being covered by one guy, and then you're you don't have the numbers. Right. Absolutely. Great point there. And of course, Nick Elksness, another reason why Shane Beamer is so excited about his pickup specifically is uh, Pete Lempo mentioned before how he likes to have tight ends on his special teams units, guys that have really big bodies who can still really cover a lot of space down the field quickly. And Nick Elksness figures to play and roll in that aspect along with uh, Dow Lockins offense in 2023. Now, South Carolina has also landed a couple of other players that are expected to be uh, some big contributors for the Gamecocks this next season. And South Carolina might not be done just yet in the transfer portal. We'll continue those topics in our conversation with Mike Huseman in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis, where you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from college football to the NFL, college basketball, and esports. BetOnline has got it all. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. So be sure to head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because bet online is where the game starts. Hello, Gamecock Nation. Welcome back to this special interview edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast here with Mike Huseman, who talks about everything related to the transfer portal. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen every day. Make sure to check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, where the biggest stories of the day around the sports world take place in 20 minutes or less. Plus, you'll get instant reactions, big game recaps, and Lockdown's take of the day. Lockdown Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Mike. So, obviously, South Carolina really needed to find some guys quickly to fill in that tight end room as it was quite literally going to be completely vacant of scholarship tight ends if they did not otherwise. Now, part of Shane Beamer's strategy in the portal since he arrived here in Columbia has involved not being afraid to go after guys that are at the lower levels like the FCS, maybe the Ivy League, or even Division II ranks as well. And there's plenty of examples of guys who transferred to South Carolina and have made significant contributions. Guys like linebacker Debo Williams, Carlin Splatel, who's now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Antoine Wells Jr., who seems to be a future NFL draft pick, and Nate Atkins, who really came on at the end of the season for the Gamecocks. And he's shown that again this cycle by landing guys like Yale center Nick Gargiulo and Newberry running back Mario Anderson Jr. literally right up the road from here. So, Mike, what do you think of Nick Gargiulo and Mario Anderson Jr.? And at the same time, do you think that Beamer is ahead of the curve compared to other coaches because of his willingness to scour through some of these lower-level divisions? I'll answer the second part of that first. I think he might be a little ahead of the curve, but that may also be, you know, um, what's it, um, you know, the mother of invention, so to speak. He might see that maybe there are some guys who are at FBS schools where he doesn't think he could get. So rather than waste resources and time, you go lock up a guy you see potential in right away. Um, Gargiulo, I think, is a good example of that. He certainly um, 
could have had a lot of FBS land. The, the reason he went in the portal was to go to an FBS school and presumably beef up his draft stock. And we're a great landing spot for him. And he's a great addition for us in one of the, the positions we need the most. So I think, um, I don't know that Beamer is ahead of the curve in seeing those guys at that level as targets where I think he is ahead of the curve is the timeline in the year. I mean, he goes and gets them right away. So locked up and you're not um, having to fight off other teams at it, which to right. his credit, if they, if they pan out, that's great. Um, Gargiulo is an interesting one, like I said, because position-wise, who knows where he's going to – I mean, we're hearing you know, center, but maybe he gets bumped outside. Where does the – you know, um, we don't know if he did his um, – basically where you can request the, the info from the NFL and where they expect you to be a guy and a draftable prospect. What are they telling him? Because – if he did, if he went through that process, he's probably going to want to play where they suggested he play. Um, and Anderson is one I have more questions about, only because we're not sure about the level of competition. FCS is good football. D two, there's really good football. Then there's really bad football. Um, it's it's a big step up, depth wise, speed wise. Physicality-wise, I absolutely trust Beamer wouldn't take on a guy who couldn't hack it. But I also would be hesitant to go in with Anderson um, as your RB1 or RB2 if he's going to get a lot of volume until we know what he can do. In terms of Mario Anderson Jr.'s running style, do you see him kind of like as – I don't want to necessarily say poor man's, but I guess it's the best term for it. A poor man's version of Marshawn Lloyd, a guy who's a little bit shorter and stocky, who maybe won't hit the home run every single play, but he does have a, he does have a second, third gear that defenses will have to respect throughout the course of a football game. Great comparison. No, I, I think that is absolutely accurate that he um, wouldn't put him in that class of Lloyd yet, but he fits the physical profile and that could be good because our offense was built around that. Our O-line, even though you know the O-coordinator, the play calling is going to change, our O-linemen are still built for guys like that in the way we're going to zone block and have him get his vision and cut off of those guys. Gotcha, yeah. And, of course, Mario Anderson was a very decorated player at Newberry, was named a first-team All-American at the Division II level at the end of the 2022 season. Nick Gargiulo, by the way, named a team captain for Yale in the 2022 season. And to give some of y'all an idea of just how uh, honorable that is, there's only one team captain for Yale. They don't have like four or five guys that are captains throughout the course of an entire season. So it's a pretty big deal for the Bulldogs football program when you're named a team captain there. I think football's pretty good, too. Um, They regularly send guys to the NFL. Um, I wouldn't put him in the SoCon big sign, certainly not the level of Missouri Valley, but it's good football. They are usually well coached. You get um, fairly complex offenses too. um, And this kind of fits to a stereotype, but you're dealing with smart guys who can comprehend a lot in a short period of time. So you're not limited by what you can play call in a lot of those senses and throw at them. 
Right, exactly. I think you make a really good point there, especially with a pro-style-ish offense that South Carolina will still look to run in 2023. Nick Gargiulo could end up being, in a lot of ways, the perfect fit in terms of sort of the pre-snap communication and all the checks that they're going to have to make. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, Mike, the Gamecocks don't seem like they're done yet in the transfer portal because uh, in the past week, they've offered a couple more offensive linemen in Marcellus Johnson of Eastern Michigan and Sidney Fugar of Western Illinois. So when looking at these players or hearing about these guys, what do you make of them based on what they've done up to this point in their career? And do you think the Gamecocks could land either one or maybe both of them at the end of the day? Fugar is an NFL guy down the road. He looks the part. He has the physical attributes to do it, and he looks pretty nasty. So he will be starting at a P5 school next year. Um, and he, hopefully we can get him. He, he is a guy who um, in the limited – now, all FCS guys, I would say I'm limited how much I've seen them. I love FCS football, but it's just tough to take in so much. Um, but – what I've seen of him, very good run blocker, and it's the strength of his game. And I suspect for the Gamecocks, they're going to try to continue that and be a run-heavy team. Um, and in the SEC, I think you've got to do both to win games. He would be a good pickup. Johnson, it, it's interesting. He was at an FBS school at Eastern Michigan. I probably have seen him play less than I have with Fugar, but, you know, two, four, seven on three, the recruiting transfer portal networks, they say a lot of good things about him and that he's going to be an adaptable guy who will also be starting at a P5 school next year. And O-line's a position that we need to upgrade. I think either one of them, um, I don't know at this point, if they would take both, certainly we know they want one of them, but just when you're counting the scholarships allotted to positions and if they expect to sign any high school recruits in the later period, we don't know if they've allotted two scholarships to that position or not. So certainly one would be great. Who knows if they would even take two of them or be able to. Right. Very good point there on the scholarship numbers. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing with South Carolina is I think that what they're trying to look for is stability, because obviously Johnson would offer that as a guy as a graduate transfer, just like Nick Gargiulo. They're going to hope is going to offer that at either center or left tackle because South Carolina has seen a lot of rotation on that left side the last year or two between Jalen Nichols for Sean Lee and Ja'Kai Moore. And I think that at this point, Coach Beamer and that staff, they're looking for a set lineup, even if it's just for one season, where they're not having to play this offensive line roulette of guys rotating in and out. So definitely something to watch for South Carolina in the next few weeks or so as this window starts to wind down. Now, we're going to ask Mike for his opinions regarding how Shane Beamer has performed in this new era of the transfer portal and what are maybe some positions the Gamecocks should be hitting a little bit harder than they have. We're going to dive into those topics in just a couple moments. Continue our conversation right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Now, 
If you're looking for a delicious treat, but maybe you don't want all of the fat and calorie content that is included, then you have got to try Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that can help you accomplish your New Year's resolutions this time around. They aren't just healthy, they are also extremely enjoyable, as they're covered in 100% real chocolate and come in flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and much, much more. These bars are also only 130 calories. They include just 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you can get these bars at your local walmart or sam's club if you go to walmart go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a four bar box that includes cookies and cream double chocolate or coconut puffs if you want to get a little bit more bang for your buck you can go to sam's club and grab a 13 bar box that includes brownie batter and churro i promise you you'll thank me later because built bar is where tasty is the new healthy. Welcome back to the final part of our interview here today on the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast with college football transfer portal commentator Mike Huseman. Now, Mike, looking at what Shane Beamer has done up to this point in his career regarding the transfer portal, it seems like objectively speaking, he's done a good job. But Obviously, there could be a school of thought out there that South Carolina could be hitting a couple of certain positions a little bit harder. So looking at this through your lens, Mike, of someone that has been in the game, has been a coach in, in college football, what position group do you think South Carolina should push for more in the transfer portal getting near the end of this current window? Running back, I think, um, is one of them. And we talked about O-linemen that um, they certainly could use a guy there and then um, maybe get an edge guy. I only say that. I, I don't know if they really need one per se. There's a lot of good ones out there, though. And strike while the iron's hot, if there's good ones out there, um, Rondell Dothroyd would be a good one. He, he was at Wake Forest last year. Um, there's three of them have left Texas A&M in the last two weeks. Any one of them would be good. And then – a corner. I mean, that's we we lost a lot of a lot of snaps and a lot of production at that position. So there's some good corners. But um, I'll kind of start from the top there. So um, you would mention waiting for Rattler's decision earlier. If Rattler comes back, we're set at QB. If he doesn't come back, we probably need to get a guy in the portal. Whether that be a guy they view as the immediate starter or a guy to have on the roster, um, they'll need one. Um, at running back, I think, is one of our biggest needs right now. Um, you know, obviously losing Lloyd was big. Um, as it keeps going on, I think the possibility of him withdrawing his name from the portal, especially as we get closer to the semester starting, may become a possibility. I, not that I'd bet on it right now, but that's not to say it would be unheard of. Several guys have done it in the last week. Um, Trayshawn Ward recently went in the portal at Florida State. He's a stud. Um, they just have so many running backs down there. I think he wondered about his place and if he was going to be the main guy, and they rotated so many running backs all the time. Or maybe Mike Norvell has told him there, we are bringing in another guy. Um, who they cannot announce yet. So Ward from Florida State would be a good one. And Trey Sanders, who was a highly regarded recruit coming out of high school, 
was at Alabama and just wasn't seeing the field. So Sanders would be another interesting guy to go after. One of the other guys who would be maybe my top target right now at another position would be Gunnar Britton, offensive tackle, uh, who was Simon's teammate at Western Kentucky, um, is a Conway, South Carolina native. So he's from in-state. Um, and by basically every account um, service you see, he's the top O tackle left in the portal. Britain would be a huge get and immediate starter. And it would also enable us to, if Gargiulo wants to stay at center, he certainly could because Britain's going to be a tackle wherever he goes. Um, Caleb Schaefer was a guard at Miami, Ohio, and Jordan White was a guard at West Virginia. Both of those two would be good additions on the inside um, and uh, have been in the portal for – they didn't go in right away, but they've been in for a little bit. Um, for the offensive guys, that those were some targets, I think, to watch out for. On defense, I mentioned Rondell Bothroyd at edge. Um, safety, Jalen Catalan started for multiple years at Arkansas and um, does have a connection. Our, our receivers coach was at Arkansas before. Um, so, um, you know, that that connection back to his recruiting days has been there, um, Justin Stepp. Um, and then at corner, I admit, you know, we lost um, Rush, you know, Smith, those guys. Um, Ja'Kalen Johnson with Ohio State, you know, like most of the Buckeyes roster, highly touted recruit who just hadn't seen the field yet and entered the portal. Um, Al Walcott is a, uh, from around the Charlotte area, originally uh, played at Baylor, um, is now in the portal, good corner. And then um, Clinton Burton is the last guy. He was at Boston College. And, I mean, they all around they just had a terrible season. They, they've lost some guys. They've also actually brought in a decent portal class too. But um, Burton was defending back at BC, who could be another guy to watch for, I think. It could be a good addition. Well, certainly sounds like that South Carolina, they've got a plethora of options at multiple spots. And, uh, you know, that edge position could be really interesting, too, because another guy I didn't mention earlier who has a decision upcoming is Jordan Birch. And as more time passes, it sort of seems like that at this moment, at least, not confirmed, but at this moment, that Jordan Birch is considering potentially moving on to the NFL. Of course, still plenty of time for maybe some fluctuations to happen there. But if he ends up leaving, then it might be a must, or else you could be seeing true freshmen starting at that spot next year, which, as talented as Rames, right. Yeah, it, it becomes way more of a need if he leaves. And I think we got to remember and keep in perspective, you know, this transfer portal period ends January 18th. So we have about two more weeks where guys can sign. But at the end of the spring semester, early summer, there's another transfer portal period where we will undoubtedly have more movement. And um, you typically see less overall moves in terms of volume at that juncture in the season, school year. But the guys you see moving then almost always instantly play because they're going somewhere specifically to be a starter. So yeah, that, that'll be something to monitor if he, if his decision goes on longer and we can't get anybody in before the 18th, there always is May. Right. 
Mike, I got one last question for you. I really appreciate all of your time and insight that you've given us on today's show. Um, I'm going to ask you to take out a crystal ball real quick. So you just mentioned the spring uh, transfer portal window, which I believe starts on May 1st and goes through May the 15th, two-week period. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Um, yes, that is correct. It was moved. Um, it used to go. It used to be the second half of May. It has been changed this year. Okay. Um, without naming any names... Do you foresee any more movement in terms of South Carolina players at certain positions leaving and going into the transfer portal? What positions could you see that possibly happening? That's extremely tough to predict at this point because most of the movement we see then, it's guys who are in spring football battles for a starting spot and lose them. Usually you see it at the quarterback position. We're not going to have that. Again, if Rapp comes back, he's going to be the guy. There's not going to be a battle there. Um, if they bring in some of the O-linemen like we've talked about, that probably would be the position. If we have guys who are already on the roster and don't get that starting job, they would probably be the guys that would move. Right. And with everything that South Carolina has lost, of course, at running back and wide receiver, offensive line and quarterback, uh, it's going to be really imperative for South Carolina to, again, just get some stability there and to figure out that solid group of five guys who they can consistently rely on for the 2023 season. Mike Huseman, really appreciate you coming on to today's show and giving us all your insight regarding the transfer portal and South Carolina. Glad to be here. Uh, thank you again. And hopefully we can do it sometime in the future. All right, folks, so that was college football transfer portal writer and tweeter Mike Huseman. Really appreciate all the time and insight once again that he gave us on today's show of the Locked on Gamecocks podcast. If you're interested in getting any more transfer portal news regarding maybe the South Carolina Gamecocks, some other SEC teams, or really, truthfully, any team in college football, you can go check out Mike Huseman on Twitter over at Huseman CFB, all capitalized at the very end. So, with all that being said, that's going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. Hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed my show today and my interview with Mike Huseman. What are your thoughts on what South Carolina has gotten so far in the transfer portal with the tight ends that they've got? Mario Anderson Jr. from Newberry, Nick Gargiulo from Yale. What positions do you think South Carolina needs to continue to hit hard over the next couple of weeks? And also, how do you see the next few months panning out with any potential Gamecocks entering the portal after spring practice? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube. Or you can shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC. And once again, don't forget to make Locked On Sports today your second watch or listen now that you've watched or listened to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. So once again, that does it for me on today's show. I hope that y'all have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.